welcome, space people. We're ju- we're still doing space people. Did I say space people last time? Yeah, space yes. people. Say- oh no no no. Um, welcome, space turds. Nope. No, no, no. no, no, no. I, I didn't now. think that was going to work either. All right, we'll, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there one way or another. We are still Welcome. somehow the architects of entropy, and this is season two, episode four. We are now at the point uh, where, in the first season, uh, halflings were, I believe, hurling vegetables at people. So we got a lot of ground to cover. Is that a challenge? Though we have learned a great deal about our spacefaring crew, the crew of the ship currently known as the Showstopper. But what I want to do right now, just for a brief interlude, is I want to ask the players individually about their character's current goals. Zemgis, tell us about the mysterious mystic's current goals. Obviously, this is, you know, known only to him. Well, Zemgis uh, kind of came into appearance one day out of nowhere. He he doesn't remember his past. So he'd like to uncover his past. Other than that, he'd like to make some friends and stuff, possibly. Cred is going to be necessary probably to figure out his past. Because he's going to yeah. probably have to be hooked up to some sort of warp machine. Who knows? But, you know. <laughs> so uh, everybody wants to know who Zemgis is. Nobody more than Zemgis. <laughs> Zemgis, did you know your name was Zemgis, or is it a name that someone gave you or gave yourself? You just know your name. Uh, I, I think he looked down. Um, he was at some sort of uh, archaeological dig or something, and he looked down and saw something, you know, like a brand of cup or something. I don't know. <laughs> that, that <said laughs> okay. Zemgis. Right. And, and he took it as his name. <laughs> Let's go to Dr. Cheever Mormo. Well, Dr. Dr. Cheever's, Dr. Mormos, be semi-formal here, his goals are very, very straightforward. He needs to make a lot of money because um, he needs to uh, recreate his research somewhere away, and he's got to show those fools. He's got to show them all. So, you know, pretty straight line. No no right. mystery, just uh, evil cyborg army. He's going to create uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, off-brand version of the Cybermen. It's going to be great. <laughs> This the cyber folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the completely unique and uh, not uh, uh, not a challenge to copyright version of uh, cybernetic yep. uh, uh, cyborg organisms who replicate and destroy people. It's gonna be fine. Come on, if Star Trek didn't get sued for the Borg, you can mm. come up with whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. Uh, John, tell me about Tristan Obadiah's present goals. Well, you know, he just got out from under the thumb of what he saw as a very overprotective, overbearing family. He wants to see the galaxy. He wants to experience things for himself. And now he wants to be Zemi's friend. <laughs> All right. That's, uh, that's a good goal and possibly achievable. <laughs> Last but not least, let's talk to our resident scoundrel, Remy Moreau. Let's hear about that. Remy's on the run from a lot of things from their past from the warp that just seems to want to be involved in their life under the facade of a forever present just living day to day absolute dancing through life uh, they're really just trying to find a place where they will that, that they can be accepted and maybe even loved but 
they get in their own way so much. Remy's searching for a sign that they can be themselves, which I don't even think they know what that's like. Not to put on the show. So yeah, the, the ultimate goal is to be authentic. And it's hard when your chief preoccupation is bullshitting people. Yep. <laughs> All right. It's always kind of good to keep in touch with a system like this. It's good for you to have an idea of what ultimate goals you have. And, and they change throughout. But um, one of the kind of pieces of this game is generally the idea that you are trying to squirrel away a certain amount of, of money to land at whatever level of comfort you want for your future. It's what, you know, you're ultimately working towards. So if that is having enough money that you can build that evil cyborg army or just, you know, finding a nice moon on the other side of some unknown planet and, and just building yourself a farm or whatever. But uh, these things kind of have a tendency to evolve. So last we left the crew, you had broken away from Londinium. You learned uh, a little bit about your uh, former benefactor, Crescendo, who had gathered a certain amount of dirt on all of you as either an insurance policy or just uh, a way to just sell you out at his earliest convenience. You do also would know that the coffers of the ship is uh, is pretty – there's no way he could pay you out. Like you said, it was going to. There is one cred that you have access to right now and that it simply will not do. Oh. But you do know that you are – Heading to the Terang system to reach out to a contact of the Truth Ascendant. So you have the data cache uh, that you need to give to them. You basically just need to get to them and give it to them and the job will be complete. They're good. <laughs> As you guys break out of hyperspace, you find yourself just on the outskirts of the Terang system on the outskirts of Wenya, which is where you started just as the, you know, quickest and easiest point to get to. And at that point, you are given comm coordinates to reach out to an uh, agent known as Scoop, who will presumably tell you where to go next. Well, I, th I think that's where we're headed. I think uh, if anyone's going to talk to somebody named Scoop, I nominate Remy. Uh, <laughs> as person who seems to be the best at talking to people. I think we've learned from previous sessions that it's not Tristan. Hmm. <laughs> muffin no, is muffin, great. No. <laughs> All right. So, Remy, yeah, you have the comm, and you uh, basically will plug in the comm point, and a channel will open. And for a moment, you're getting just basically static, and then a recorded message will play. Crescendo, if you're receiving this message, then you've completed the first part of the operation. Oh. If you have the package, please receive these coordinates, and they will take you to the final point of content. Scoop out message repeat. And after the message plays, some coordinates appear on your uh, readout, and you will see that this final point of contact is on a space station. The space station is well known to people in the Ayamora sector. It is known as Yelich Station. It is a huge research station that was 
one of the uh, chief operations of the corporate council that was put here as an edifice to corporate research and the spirit of discovery. But in the time, it has become largely kind of redundant to some of the more priority operations. And this is kind of a throwback to a time when this sector was founded by the corporate council, they really had to prove to the league that they were all on the same page, that they had good relationships and the spirit of competition between them wouldn't rip this place apart. So this station was kind of built to show the league, look, we're all working together. We're sharing information. We're building contacts. We're making this section of space a better place. And over the years that the league has gotten further and further away, the station has gotten less and less populated. Uh, The spirit of sharing between the corporations is, uh, let's say, not where it was uh, decades ago. And uh, large portions of this massive space station have been uh, cordoned off or abandoned altogether. The corps have presences on this station, but uh, they are generally uh, fairly low priority or, you know, secretive. There's, you know, a lot of rumors that stuff goes on here, but now since, you know, the corporations aren't keeping as close a watch on things. It's uh, a lonely monument to corporate overreach. You are given coordinates to a section of the station uh, in the lower tier of the station, which is uh, largely disused. Dr. Mormo, you are probably familiar with this place, as uh, it's likely that you had worked on projects here for Bellcorp R&D. Mm-hmm. They still have a presence on this place, but it's not, you know, it's not what it used to be. Uh, and it's full of morons, I'm assuming you would you would think. Yeah, no, I mean idiots, but sure. <laughs> okay, okay, idiots, that's uh. fair. But the lower tier uh, has been largely abandoned. Most of the uh, action has kind of shifted to uh, uh, kind of consolidated in, in like the mid level closest to the power stations and stuff to, you know, to save on energy costs and things like that. So the lower tier of Yellow Station, those of you who, uh, who, who might know a thing, is largely populated, if at all, any people there are more than likely people who never left the station for whatever reason. So you are given coordinates uh, to dock on the section of the station. You know, when it comes up, uh, you look kind of in your computers, it comes up as just uh, like a gantry that was not a docking place before. So you're not exactly sure how you are supposed to dock with this thing on accordingly. You're just slamming up against a wall. So you're hoping perhaps uh, in the time since these uh, schematics were available to the public that some kind of change was made. Uh, or else you're just crashing into the thing. <laughs> which, which you know, literally it makes no sense whatsoever. I believe, Scott, was this your creation? I think it might have been. I think it might have been, yeah. Okay. And I think you pretty much nailed it. I think we, that's, okay. that's basically what we got, yeah. I, I don't think there's anything here that it's like wildly, you know, there's abandoned spots where there's all manner of terrible things happening. So, yeah, let's do it. It should be fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, so you make a short jump. That's, you know, probably a couple hours just to get to that next planet. And you are now seeing a Yellow Station in your viewport. 
It appears smaller from further back because the only real, like, majorly lit sections are more towards the center. So the closer you get, the darkened sections come into view, and there's just, you know, huge, very um, brutalistic-looking, you know, corporate structures that spoke off of this wheel and then there's you know a big kind of towering section on the top and there's a almost mirrored by this um uh, we use a technical term like a technical term like a uh, hangy downy part mm. uh where uh there is it's basically kind of juts down like a uh, like a massive uh, upside down skyscraper with a lot of doodads hanging off of it and uh, i look the word poems that i make with my descriptions mm. i really mm-hmm. should charge for this <laughs> And uh, eventually, the ship's just kind of on autopilot following the coordinates. You begin to see this gantry area. At first, it looks like there's, like, it's either dirty or, like, carbon scored or whatever. Then you realize that this small kind of, uh, like, an emergency docking port that might be put on something or... or uh, if there's a, like a boarding action by a capital ship and they need to just break into a place, there's these kind of temporary like rings uh, mm-hmm. that are that are not meant to be there for any lengthy period of time. They're certainly not meant to be a permanent docking structure, but this one looks like it's been here for some time. You realize that you're going to have to dock with this thing. This is going to be tough. Most of your docking with more permanent structures will be, you know, they'll, you'll be your guidance systems and comm ports on those that will talk to your ship's computer and they just kind of do it automated. This has none of that shit. This is going to be an entirely manual operation to basically ascend or wherever the docking port is on this thing. We'll need to uh, lovingly couple with this, uh, <laughs> this sounds ring. Fun. Yeah. It's um, right. it's it's like real. It's like a real sloppy, drunken uh, one night stand between a ship and a space station. I could make this description more awkward, but I think we got it. Yeah, when so a Tristan... ship and a space station don't really love each other that much, but are bored and sexually attracted to each other, <laughs> and have possibly had too much to drink. So Tristan will be like, uh, so it looks like that port was put on way too long ago and isn't supposed to be a permanent docking port. Are we sure we want to dock there? You got this. Okay, we'll just take it nice and slow. Um, I mean, he's got the curb feelers on this thing. We'll be fine. I'm glad we don't have to worry about the paint job. <laughs> so, Tristan, you are flying the ship. Sadly. You know, I mean, you're flying <laughs> the ship. So, you are going to uh, need to use some kind of action to dock. Uh, most obvious, I imagine, would be helm. But, if you want to get creative. So, I mean, the only way I can see you being creative is Tristan docks the ship and then uses rig to shore up the connection so that we don't all immediately die. Okay. That is, yeah, that is certainly, um, yeah. we can certainly do that. So, looking at this this horrible thing here, you mechanic's brain kind of goes into overdrive of like, okay, as long as we can get a solid connection, if we can get the seals right, which... You know, luckily your ship is smart enough to know, you know, if there's not an airtight seal, your airlock goes, hey, I'm not going to open unless you are wearing spacesuits. And then, you know, we hit a manual release and... Uh, and then we all die. Uh, the good news is, because this is a space game, everyone has spacesuits. They do take up two boxes of load. So, let's start with this helm. Okay. This one you really want to make 
So I'm going to call this. I'm going to call this a desperate. Yes. But I'll call it for great effect. All right. I will assist. Okay. I will use my kinetics to try and pull the uh, docking clamp to the ship. So uh, I'll go ahead and mark off an XP and your prowess for this desperate action. We still have three gambits, right? Yeah, three. Also, I'll give you a devil's bargain. Ooh. That will give you an extra die, but what will happen is you'll take damage to the hull. I mean, that's fine. It'll hopefully just scrape off things we don't want there anyway, so. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that's four dice. Oh, yes! A six, two fives, and a one, so. Okay, that is a success. So, please, uh, on your success, factoring in the hull damage, go ahead and describe your uh, docking with this thing. All right. Well, so we come out of the gate. Um, he Tristan immediately flips the ship over and triggers the and triggers the engine so that we're coasting towards the station. Um, we wait. He makes a few fine adjustments to get us closer and closer. Suddenly, he flips the ship over entirely so that our ass is pointed to the station. For a moment, it looks like we're coming in too fast. He triggers the rear boosters just a little to nudge us into the right shape. Unfortunately, at the at, just as he's coming into a dock, the the gantry boon starts up, swings down, scrapes along the top of the ship. Uh, you hear something rip away. It's probably <laughs> one of those. It's probably one of those plates that had been welded in over the uh, turrets that had been removed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that was, we couldn't possibly put a gun on this things. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Now it looks like maybe you could put a gun on this, but I wouldn't recommend it. Yep. So with a thud and a click, the ship latches into the docking ring, and there's just the sound of a uh, beeping alarms <laughs> from the hull damage. Tristan shuts those off and says, well, that was somewhat successful. Um, just so, check the monitors. So We're not leaking atmosphere or anything, right? Nope. Not with a six. No, it was fine then. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, right. I wasn't entirely sure if the docking port was going to hold us at all. So, any dock is successful. Alright, so you are docked with the station. You have a pretty good feeling uh, that as long as you're not here for like an entire orbit of this planet, you should be okay. So, you know, you'll be alright for the short term. But if you do want to rig something, you can certainly uh, try. No, I think we're okay. Uh, let's not let's not be crazy. Yeah, if you thought you were going to have to be here for a while, I would recommend it. But, you know, uh, getting out of here is going to be a lot easier. Quite honestly, you could just rip away from this thing. <laughs> Yeah, then we got the docking collar <laughs> hanging off of us. That's no good. Although it will mess with the profile of the ship. It'll be like a windsock flopping around out there. Yep. <laughs> I guess it won't flop around in space. It'll just kind of... Would that really mess up the ship's profile? <laughs> well, mm. yeah, they'll be we like, no, no, no. The showstopper didn't have that docking <laughs> collar attached to it. This is a different ship. This is a different golden, you know, garish ship. At one point, we before we had a plate on the top of our ship. Now yeah. we don't. Yeah, you have a hole. Yeah. <laughs> you have kind of an exposed hole that you know shouldn't be exposed. There should either be, you know, a weapon on it or a or a like plate. 
<laughs> At the very least, it should have a plate, because if you leave that part exposed to the elements for a certain amount of time, it's going to cause a problem. But for the short term, you should be okay. All right, so you guys dock with the ship, and uh, there is obviously a kind of makeshift airlock that you are able to open. And as it cycles, you will uh, spend, uh, you know, a cautious few seconds just kind of saying, are you now, are you guys wearing spacesuits or you certainly don't need to. I don't want to spend the you have the option. If you don't. If you, yeah, if I'm you not wearing them. Okay. Yeah, no. Alrighty, good. And what I'll say is if you would like to, I'm not going to say change your load, but if you want to just kind of like uh, reset it, you can. You know, it, it, the rules, and they're very abstracted, but at the same time, some things just be like, look, you're in your ship and went to another thing. If you want to change how you're yeah. outfitted, you can certainly do that. I'll give you that option. Okay, so this door creaks open. And you look into the hallway on this gantry, um, in the space station, and the first thing you notice is that the area is lit in these incredibly low blue lights which illuminate this part of the station in the most uh, uh, eerie way uh, as you're looking basically these are running in like emergency lighting uh, that is just on. You do know that there is there's life support running through here so it's not like they cut this thing off and cut everything off this this you know you can breathe in here everything is everything is fine but it's not like you're not getting the quality oxygen you you get on the higher <laughs> levels of this oxygen. but you know you can you can live here this oxygen has a, a an earthy rat pissy kind of flavor <laughs> yeah, to it yeah yeah it's a kind of like a cross between like uh, rusted metal and rat piss mm-hmm. it's a real acquired taste how many times have they recycled this air oh a couple of them <laughs> This is not the most welcoming atmosphere. I'd say at least 200 cycles. That's not okay. The water reclamation unit could use some looking at, too. Oh, I wouldn't drink the water here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could just get ourselves in and out real quick. I think we want to do that because I don't want to be here if this thing decides to fall apart. And it's looking like it's real likely to do that. All right, so let's get going. All right. So as you uh, start heading into this part of the station, you know, you will notice that there are like torn down signs, you know, places where there were signs denoting, you know, uh, offices and shops and things. Uh, There are blast doors down or like, you know, emergency like blast shielding down on a lot of like the windows and stuff that would that would be outside of the, you know, stores and shops and things people wanted you to see. And you're Com units ping, and a voice comes through. It is a feminine voice, sounds human, and for some of you, there's a familiarity to it, and you just cannot place it. All right. You made it. Great. Uh, I'm going to need you to head three sections east, and then two sections up, and then you will see a disused CIN news station, and that's where you will find me. Uh, CIN is the corporate infonet. That is the official news source of the Iamora sector. It is funded and operated by the corporate council. It's the, uh, 
you know, that's where most people get their news. Truth Ascendant has their own kind of pirate radio kind of network, but it operates throughout the sector and it continues to operate because the source of the signal changes constantly. If you really want to know what's going on, Truth Ascendant is who you find it out from, but there is a certain amount of risk involved. So you're making your way. Uh, yeah, okay, so just um, knock three times on the door, I guess. Uh, nothing really works here like it's supposed to, but... And then you hear... You guys are... You guys are here already, are you? No. No. Shit. You might want to double time it. And then it goes dead. Okay. This just gets worse and worse. I wasn't aware there was going to be running. All right, here we go. You uh, you need to make your way there quickly. So, what do you think is the best course of action to do this? I'm going to say this might be a good time. Uh, and Rick, I think you know where I'm going. Well, I think it's early to re- resort to cannibalism, but I'm in if you guys are in. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, group scramble. This is perfect for a group scramble. So group actions. Cannibalism it is. Let's do this, people. <laughs> group actions are uh, something that you know, people often forget is a thing you can do, but they are a good way to resolve situations where everyone has to do something and all of them might not be particularly skilled in it. So how it works is one person will lead the group, essentially, and everyone will roll their scramble. If you don't have anything in scramble, you uh, will roll two dice, taking the lower. Oh boy. Is The risk is <laughs> really purely on the person leading it. Whatever the highest roll is between all of you will be the result. Uh, nice. However, any roll that is a failure, which is a one to three, will give stress to whoever is leading the action. So. I'll lead it. All right. I think you and Doc are the only ones that have Scramble. So uh, if you choose to lead it. I think Tristan will push himself because that means instead of rolling two dice and taking the lowest, I get to just roll one die. Yeah. And plus, obviously, the more dice you're rolling, the more chances you'll get a good a success as well. So it's, you know, and uh, anything that leads you guys to spend more stress is, is okay with me. Yeah. Tristan will push himself. So that he's okay. only rolling one die. So everyone go ahead and roll scramble and we will compare oh results. God. I'm going to push myself well, so I'm rolling two. Yep. And let's not really screw this up, folks. Too badly. Oh, we didn't. Five. Okay. Five, five. Yep. <laughs> oh. Okay. So we have uh, John with a five, Jillian with a five, Rick with a six, and Woo-hoo. Scott with a, was it three? Three. Three? Okay. So that's one fail, which is one stress, but uh, a six. So that is a success. So that is a, a successful action. So Zemgus, you take the lead in this group and, you, and you're kind of open your mind to the space around you. And I kinetically just push doors and stuff out of my way. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You're following Zemgus as he's just casually using the warp to flip things around in your favor. I got to think, uh, Remy, it makes you a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> just because mm-hmm. it's like how oh, you throw the warp around a lot like this shit can go wrong um, but 
Uh, everything seems to be going right for him as you uh, hear beelining in ways like that. You know, you've never been here before, but you seem to inherently know exactly which direction to go. So he leads you through these hallways and up these stairs. You do not want to use the lifts in this part of, uh, of the station because they don't work. You wind up coming up the stairs and you are in view of this little office complex that has a sign over you see the C and the N and the little two dots where the I fell off. <laughs> Outside of the door, you see four people hovering around the door. One of them has some kind of tool and they're basically trying to smash the door down. You give a quick look. They are wearing what were once nice white collar worker clothes. So they have, you know, like dress shirts and slacks that are time worn and patched together. It's like the office meets Mad Max. You've heard of these people. These are these are X-Corps. These are people who lost their jobs when the station started shutting down but did not have the funds to leave the station. So they just kind of squirrel themselves away in these disused sections and survive. And they survive on whatever scraps they can get down here. So the risk in coming down to these places is these ex-corps. It's an insane thing you're looking at these people. You've probably heard about these people, but never actually seen them, uh, Mormo. But it's it's worse than you could possibly imagine. These are, this, mm-hmm. is, this is as bad as it gets. So... Uh, yeah, there's four uh, X-Corp thugs that are trying to uh, break down this door because uh, someone's in there. And if someone's in there, they ha- they obviously have stuff. All right. I will say in mechanical terms, this is a pretty even matchup tier-wise between yourselves. But they are uh, hostile. They uh, appear to have makeshift melee weapons that are largely made out of, you know, parts of machinery that uh, was left down here. One of, them, one of them has an actual knife that was a knife. Say, nice knife. Tips on his knife. Oh. <laughs> That's not a knife. <laughs> so, what is the plan here? The ideas here, guys, uh, take them by surprise or we try to talk them out of this? We take them by surprise. Okay, cool. Let's fight. Let's scrap. I'll whip my uh, torque off my neck and it expands into a staff and I'll run up and smack one of the guys with it. Okay. Oh, wow. So um, how am I going to do this? Because there are no rounds. There's no initiative. The only one who rolls dice is you. So you determine what happens. Zemkis is going to kind of lead the charge and, and run at them. Uh, what are other people's plans? Are they wearing helmets with comm gear? Or? No, they are not. They are low tech as it gets. Okay. Okay. Well, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow Zipkiss as quickly as I can, grab one of the guys on the side, say, oh my God, we need to get out of here and inject something into him. Okay. I'm thinking air into, you know, an artery, but you know, <sighs> whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Don't want to waste any any valuable drugs on these guys. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, Remy, do you have anything? Yeah, they pull their sidearms and just pew, 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 pew. Okay. So go ahead and mark off uh, a weapon. Sure will. I have a pair of fine sidearms. Okay, so I'm going to call this... Uh, I'm going to call it desperate yeah. standard effect. Okay. So because you have a fine sidearm... I have a pair of fine sidearms. So you can move this up to greater effect, which means if you succeed, uh, you can potentially take someone out or multiple people. And with the pair, I'll give you... I'll, I'll let you take an extra die on, uh, I'm assuming you're doing scrap. Yeah. Yeah, you can take an extra die and have greater effect on this roll. 
Fantastic. And is there anything else you would like to try and add to it? No, I think I'm alright for right now. Alright, go ahead and roll your scrap. It is desperate, so we'll mark off the uh prowess. Nice shell. Um six six three. Holy oh. shit. Okay, mm. well, um that is a crit. Uh Woo-hoo! so you will be able to take out two of them. So go ahead and describe nice. how you put down two of these people. So when Zemgis just sort of leaps at the at them, Remy's been running, but notices like the two people on the outside of the group and then just really easily just sort of draws from the holster and just basically shoots them both sort of back of the neck area. It's two very clean shots, just boop, boop. So, you know, they, they could live. They'll probably be paralyzed, but maybe a doctor will look after them. <laughs> yeah, you know. A caring doctor. I wouldn't put money on it. Uh, neither would I, but you got to give them at least the chance. So we'll go to Zengus, and then we'll do uh, a Dr. Chiefs. All right. So as you're running up, blasters peel out from behind you. Uh, you see your scoundrel standing there uh, like a badass. And a couple of these X-Corps drop. So I, I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to do, but... Uh, if I'm melee weapon, which happens to be a staff at this point, and I'm just going to try and bring it up under this guy's chin. We'll see how well I do that. Okay. Are you doing it the guy who's breaking into the door, or are you doing it on the guy who's uh, next to the guy breaking into the door? I'm just breaking into the door. Let's okay, stop that. That's good. All right. He is armed, so harm is on the line for this for sure. Okay. I am going to also call this a desperate action, because just because of the suddenness and the unknown of this, this whole thing. Okay. So, scrap is what you're doing? Yeah. Okay, so you can go ahead and mark XP on prowess. I will call this desperate standard effect. Okay, I'm going to push myself. I'm going to use kinetics basically to just to give myself more force. It gives me a chance to use superhuman speed, strength, propel force, or yeah. All right, I'll push that up to greater effect then. Okay, see how I do. I got a four. Okay, so what you do then is you move up on this guy. He's got this really nasty looking sharp piece of metal that was probably just torn off a piece of a wall and has been sharpened down to a nasty point. And he is likely taking the butt of it and slamming it into the point of the door where the catch of the latch is. With enough force that he hits it a few more times, the door's just gonna pop open. So you just kind of come up behind him with a staff and you come down slapping the weapon out of the way but his immediate response is to bring it back up. So you are able to knock him down to the ground. However, you will take a level two harm slashed. I would like to resist that. Okay. So you will go ahead and uh, resist with your prowess, which is three dice. So six stress minus. Ooh, you are. I got a four and I'm going to spend a gambit so I don't have to pay any stress. Oh, okay. That's a thing you can do, huh? Yeah. That is, isn't it? Yep. That's my starting ability. Oh, that's right. Oh, I'm going to call that a level one harm. Nasty scratch. Somebody's got to get harm in this first start. Somebody's got We got a doctor. All right, but that guy is uh, is down. That guy is down. He's not out, but he is down and not in, you know, a great position. So, Dr. Mormo. All right. I'm going to kill this guy with in- via injection. So I'm going to use doctor for this because I'm a doctor. Uh, I also have the special ability that I can use the doctor thing if I push myself. So you tell me if it does it, if I have to do that or not. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and just look at the description of doctor. 
Someone who's been injured, handle, identify substances, do science, comfort, support, or elicit sympathy. I'm gonna say this is gonna this is gonna require a push yourself. This is totally science. I, I know. Ah, the air bubble. Anyway, all right, fine. Okay, so uh, I'm a doctor, not an assassin. Although that one time when I killed my research assistant, well, the first one. <laughs> came up right up behind him, injected right into the artery. Like a light. I'll call this a risky standard because there's less opposition. However, you are risking harm mm-hmm. by doing this. So it's risky standard effect. You will be able to uh, incapacitate this gentleman if you can get this off. So you'll push yourself. You can roll your doctor and whatever else you want to do. Oh, I'm just rolling doctor and I got a six. Okay. That is a success. You will get a gambit because that is a risky roll. You got a six on. All right. Double the gambits. Double the gambits. Double the fun. <laughs> is this the other guy? That's not down this on the is ground. This the other guy, the non, okay. the other upright guy. Because I figured he's running at one guy, I'd run at the other guy. There's two guys over there that Remy blew away. So As him just comes down on this guy and, and kind of peels back and gets uh, a little bit of a scratch on his side. A uh, nasty scratch. It's nasty. The other guy's attention is just excitedly on the guy who's killing his friend after the t- two other friends just got shot in the back of the head. Uh, and then out of nowhere, a syringe just <laughs> jams in the side. Well, uh, you you tell me, actually. You're, you're yeah, successful. Yeah, no, I just so. come up. I put him in there. I jam in the thing. And I look at him. I'm like, don't worry. I'm a doctor. He gets worse. Yeah. It happens. Uh, Alrighty, so Tristan, is there anything you would like to do uh, in this mess? Uh, you know what? Tristan is going to pull out. Yeah, Tristan's going to rig up a small stun bomb. Hmm. Oh yay! All right, all right. I like that. Uh, I'm going to call this. I'll call this a. Uh, I'll call this a risky standard effect. That seems fair. I will mark off of my load detonator because I think that seems the most logical. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that. That 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 works. All right, and then I'll make a rig roll. Okay. I think I'll just make it a standard. Standard. Just a regular old. Okay, go right ahead. Just a regular old roll, man. Regular old roll. A five. Okay, so you are able to quickly program this uh, this normally lethal detonator to stun. You're pretty sure it will work. Yay! And then he will throw it at them. Or roll it along the ground at them. Okay, well, there's one guy left at the door. Zemgus and Dr. Cheeves are right next to him. Oh, well, I have a stun bomb now. <laughs> okay. I just like the uh, the picture of that because you're like, let me work on this thing. Oh no, just put it away. That's good. <laughs> uh, Scott, I want you to roll me a fortune roll. Just a uh, roll me a d6. All right. Hey, it's a two. Okay. The uh, X Corp on the ground, who is uh, bashed pretty severely, kind of looks up at the surroundings here and then he makes eye contact with you. No. Not you. Please, no. I promise I won't say anything. Let me go. I know you won't. He looks terrified. <sighs> you have no idea who this guy is. It's very yeah, likely yeah, this guy know, know knows who you are. He might, maybe he just mistakes you for somebody else, but. Yeah, it's probably, that's probably what it is. 
<laughs> he doesn't have any cybernetics on him, so I don't know who the fuck he is. Not that you uh, can see, no. Nor could he really maintain them in this environment, but who yeah. knows? But yeah, he's basically just trying to squirrel away from you. Well, I'll smack him up the side of the head with a staff to knock him out, if I can. Yeah, that's fine. You haven't met your mercy. <laughs> just kind of knock him out. I won't belabor this anymore. So, as you finish off this mob of unfortunate former wage slaves who are just trying to survive, but largely turned feral, the door uh, will... You know, back in the day, this door probably would have slid nicely, but now that it's been bashed, just kind of creaked and slides and grinds up against the inner workings. And bathed in blue emergency lights, you see someone you recognize, probably all recognize, as this is a person who was once fairly well-known. You see Joanna Sternblath, who's an up-and-coming reporter for CIN, who a couple years ago just disappeared. The official story was that she got a promotion and was sent to a different sector, but you see her, her once professionally coiffed hair is tied back in a tight bun. She's wearing clothes of a spacer and she's got a blaster in her hand. And as the door slides open, you see Johanna Sternblath pointing her blaster at you. You better have it. Uh, hello to you too. She looks down at the ex-corpse. Hmm. And you're welcome. Where's Crescendo? Uh, jail, I think, is where they uh, took him, but, you know. Sitting in jail. But you're welcome that we risked ourselves getting back out here to get the thing. Who has the data cache? Zemgus. Okay. It's all disassembled. <laughs> you're presenting the data cache, Zemgus? Yeah, I'll, I'll hand it over. Okay. She puts the blaster down and just kind of looks down at the ground and I'm like, well, <sighs> come on in. <laughs> I'll let everybody go in and the guy who was just knocked out, I'll... <laughs> you won't tell anyone. I trust you. So she goes over to a portable terminal that she has set up there, and she takes the data cache cylinder, and she slides it into a port. Uh, you can kind of see it's kind of transparent from the outside. There are another, like, two cylinders slide down, and then one slides in with the actual, like, data core. These things are made to be very, very tamper-proof and hard to fuck with by design. So sensitive information can be smuggled across without getting RF interference or any of the number of other crazy cosmic forces that can corrupt data. So the first thing you see on her screen, you see uh, just a bunch of files just kind of just whip past and download. She clicks one open and you see a commercial pop up for what appears to be some kind of energy drink. You see a guy... You know, just kind of slaving away at a terminal. This uh, corporate wage slave guy looks, you know, a lot like those people you just uh, you just murdered in a hallway, except, you know, cleaner and nicer and actually having a job. He's uh, beleaguered and tired. I was holding his head in his hand and almost falling asleep at his desk when a younger employee who is very fit and trim and just like chiseled good luck. So he goes, hey, Ted, happen to notice you're not doing your best work. <sighs> yeah, Steve, it's been really rough. I'm trying to keep up, but it's it's really hard out here. Chin up there, bub. And he pulls out a can, this shiny silver can that has these action-y looking letters just kind of lightning bolting up the side. You need a little overthrust. And he takes the can, pulls it back, takes a slump, and then, you know, there's an animated explosion. And all of a sudden, you know, he is a consummate professional and just immediately goes to work clacking away and puts a thumb up as a overthrust. Sometimes you just need it. Okay. 
and uh, she starts just kind of pouring through data quickly. And eventually you see flying past her schedules and timetables, profit forecasts, uh, cost analysis, figures, all this. And then eventually she, she just keeps kind of scrolling through all this information. And eventually at the end of it, a report, this encrypted report, she spends a few moments running through a series of data protocols. And eventually the characters kind of coalesce into a readable state. And then you see a report on the viability of the stimulants used in this drink, basically broken down by species, you know, humans, other random species we haven't named yet. And then as it gets further down the line, uh, you see the more kind of the less humanoid species. The data kind of skews in the opposite direction. Uh, basically, the sense you're getting is uh, this energy drink is harmful to a number of non-human species, but they have the strict launch timetable that is literally like next week. It's not Watergate or anything, but it is definitely enough to give the Breadbasket family a black eye. And then you see uh, the the name that pops up all over the initial reports is uh, Arvis Cato, uh, who is the project director for Project Overthrust. And the report at the end of this thing was furnished by a uh, Elwin Tarsus, who is more than likely the guy that you got this report from. <laughs> yep. No, this is a classic case of a corporate revenge stitch up. <laughs> These guys will eat themselves at the sign of any advantage they can get. Did they trace this bass to this guy? I don't think it's going to go well for him. Oh, no, he was super smooth. I'm sure he'll be fine. <laughs> I don't I don't think he's going to be fine. He Really? He didn't seem very smooth. Sarcasm muffin. Oh, right. We owe him. We'll take care of it. Uh, but this is good. This is about what I expected. So, we'll furnish you with the upgrades. And, uh... I'll throw in a little coin for you as well. It looks like um, you might you might need it. This is my nice smock. <laughs> you can get back to Swampfoot. I'll hook you up. She'll give you a, a contact on Swampfoot to arrange a payment for this job. You have uh, completed a successful job. So what we'll do when we get together next time, Woo-hoo! we'll go through the uh, downtime proceedings. We'll uh, get you guys all XP'd and paid off and uh, talk about next steps. And we will begin your first official job as a unfettered crew of this lovely ship. And best friends forever. Yeah, <laughs> we're getting along famously, and I really like our chances of all going to each other's weddings. It's so true. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you guys for doing that, and I will have my eternal thanks always to Rick keeping things moving along here in the system, which is new to a lot of us. You know, I think we're finding that this gives us a lot of freedom to play and really kind of make a more descriptive, more presentable show. Uh, once again, thank you guys again for an awesome job. I'm, I'm loving these characters. I'm loving this crew and I'm very excited about what we'll do next. But until then, we'll see you. Bye. Bye. See you, space turds. See you, space turds. Bye. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And once again, we would love to thank our apprentice architect Patreons, Jillian and John Christensen. Suzanne Bell and Caitlin Thompson. We could not do this without you. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash AOE podcast. Have fun. We'll see you next time.